This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. How many love Mrs. Pastor? Yeah. Yes, she's trying to step into my territory, though it would be funny. <laughs> oh, glory to God. It is good to be here on a Wednesday night. Good to be here on a Saturday morning, Sunday morning. Anytime we can be here, it's good to be here. It's, it's, it's so wonderful to be in a place with a bunch of people that love Jesus. Because Jesus likes to hang out with people that love him. He loves everybody. But I'll tell you what, his presence is stronger when you get a group of believers that have no purpose other than the fact we love you, Jesus. We want to know you better. Thank you for helping us. We want to be good Christians, Jesus. Amen. That atmosphere is here. Let's give, let's give a hand for Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Amen. So good to be in his presence. Well, tonight, how, how many have your sermon outlines? Cause, cause nobody made one for me, so I'll, so you'll have to make your own outline tonight. I have, I have awesome help for you tonight. Title is, What Are You Saying About Your New Self? What are you saying about your new self? You know, everybody can look at how, how horrible their past has been, the ugly things they did when they were a sinner, uh, some of the mistakes that made us have been of Christians. If that's what you focus on all the time, then your faith's not going to go very far. You've got to see who you are according to the Bible. But I want to show you a couple things. Uh, you go ahead and turn to Psalm 77, verse 3. But I want to show you a couple things out of the bookstore that will help you. Psalm 77, verse 3. But uh, here's God's creative power. And after tonight, when you hear this, if you don't have this book, this is a must for your purse, for your personal library, to carry your Bible case. Man, you carry them in your shirt pocket to work and read them on your break time. God's created power. I got a hold of that book way back in 1980, 81. I've got several old copies. I see in my archives, my library at home that I wore out over the years. And I just say that if you're a serious Christian, you got to have this book. And then also, I was telling Desiree a while ago, this here is a free card that we print up called Daily Confession. It says never again, never again, things you shouldn't talk about. In September of 1980. I want to say again, Desiree did register Desiree a while ago to try to emphasize the 1980. September of 1980, when I stepped into the church for the man that became my pastor as a baby Christian, that's the first thing he gave me. And over the years, I printed up, I guess I have to say thousands and thousands of these at the churches we pastored and handed out to people like that. And after you hear what we teach tonight, you're going to make sure you get a never again card if you don't have one off the uh, information thing. If you have one, take some more. And give to your Christian friends. This will really help you become a stronger Christian as you learn what we're saying tonight. I, I love the Word of God. I, lo- I love what the Word of God teaches me about me so I can be who I'm supposed to be. Anyway, Psalm 77, verse 3. Uh, here, was, here was an Old Testament believer going through things. And he said in verse 3, I remember God and was troubled. Because he's troubled because he... Man, why did it take me this long to get around and think, well, how about God? Why is prayer my last resort? He said, I remember and thought, man, I've been going through this. And God was there all the time, but I just now remembered. Is that, is that, is that rest of anybody of you ever went through that? But all of a sudden you think, wait a minute. I'm not handling this right. I remember God. 
And then it bothers you and say, duh, why didn't, why didn't I head this direction sooner? I'm a person of faith. It says, I remember God, I was troubled. And look at this. Here's where we're going to be talking about tonight. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. I want that to sink in. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. You know, complaining is the opposite of praising. It's the opposite, it's the opposite of giving glory to God. Amen. It's the opposite of giving Jesus praise before you've seen the answer. Complaining means your focus is so much on the problem at what you can do because you've already found out you can't do it or would have been done. And so while you're complaining about it because you forgot about God, guess what you're doing to your spirit? If you haven't learned it yet, you need to. Your words, now listen to this. I wrote some things down today that are really, really, really descriptive of what goes on in the lives of too many believers. Your words out of your mouth will either cause you to grow spiritually stronger and activate your faith. Or your words will steal your faith like a pinhole in a balloon and cause you to be a very spiritually weak Christian. Amen. Anybody ever seen something like a bicycle inner tube or a balloon, a little bitty hole? And the thing started off, man, big and puffed up, man, could really just, I mean, you know, look good. Then all of a sudden, all of a sudden that bicycle tire or car tire, it's flat, went down slow because it had a hole in it. Or that little kid's balloon wasn't just a pop, but had something so tiny you couldn't see it, it just seeped out like that. That's what happens to Christians that complain. It overwhelms your spirit. It puts a hole in your faith. Amen. I'll tell you what I know. I know by the Spirit of God, I'm answering a question. For I know at least one person in here. I have no idea who. I just know by the Spirit. And probably more about why is my faith not stronger? Why is it not working like it's supposed to for me? I know that last year, I was a much stronger Christian. I know in the past, I was like, I was like that blue battle. I was all blown up full of faith. And I've seen it leak out over the last season. My faith has been leaking out. Well, the answer is right there. Amen. I want to look at that again because I want you to see that. And you ought to mark that in your Bible. And if you're a person that's had trouble with whining, murmuring, complaining, if you're one of the, why, why, why? In other words, what society calls it today, <laughs> you know, I don't know a lot about modern political crack talk things, but you know what the biggest trouble in our society today is called the victim mentality. It's the victim. It's the victim. This person was mean to me. That person was mean to me. They just don't like me over there. I got some news for you. If you're born again Christian, the devil can't stand you. And the devil wants you to be his victim. He wants you to get offended at everybody. He wants you to get mad at everybody. He wants you to get your mouth running off to everybody, tell everybody how unfair it is, how unfair it is. I'll tell you what, there's nothing at all fair about life because Satan's in the world. But Jesus defeated Satan for us. And then he told us how to enforce that defeat. I want to say it again. Satan is defeated. Jesus is in heaven at the right hand of God. And the Bible says in several places he's there waiting for Satan to be made his footstool. Well, Ephesians chapter 1 says that Satan is under our feet. We're the body of Christ out here. He's under our feet. 
And so Jesus did his part, and our job is to do our part to keep him under our feet where he belongs, demonstrate to the world the goodness of God. Amen. So I want to say it one more time. You are not a victim unless you allow yourself to be. Amen. Amen. I've got to watch that. I'll go down the wrong road on that. But no, that's, that's the absolute truth. So what are you saying about your new self? And so your words will either build up your faith and activate your faith, or they'll steal your faith and cause you to be a very weak Christian. How many want to be a weak Christian? How many want to be a strong Christian that, uh, you know, I'll tell you, I, I noticed when I was a baby Christian, new Christian, I didn't stay a baby very long because I got serious about this. My pastor gave me that card, and I had my Bible, and I tell you what, I was in church Sunday morning, Sunday night. Uh, I was in church Wednesday night. I was in church Saturday morning. Every time we had a guest speaker, I was there. You know why? I was writing in my journal this morning about that. I said, Lord, I said, ever since I found out you were alive, because I didn't know that. I was 28 and a half years old. I said, ever since I found out you, I knew you were alive, I said, I've done my best to let everybody know that. I've done my best to live for you. And this morning, in my prayer closet, my journal, I wrote that again. Jesus, for the years I've got left, I want to be on fire more than ever. I want to help more people than ever. Lord, everything you have planned for my life and for my ministry, help me be sensitive to it. I want to fulfill everything you have for me because this is real. And so I want to say that again, that when I found out that Jesus was real, I listened to every word my pastor had to say. Every time he brought a man or woman of God in, man, I was one of the first ones there because I wanted to hear, hear what they had to say about God. And, you know, it, it's, just, it's just the law of association. If you're in sports and want to know somebody uh, and you want to get better at your sport, you hang around somebody that plays it better than you. Somebody's got a few home runs. Amen. So, so, somebody that doesn't strike out a lot. Somebody knows how to steal bases. If you want to know God better, besides reading your Bible, hang around somebody that knows him more than you do. Amen. Amen. I remember one time, this is kind of funny. <laughs> it just really is funny. One time we had our church back in Indiana, and we used to go to a conference out in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. As a church there said they had an organ they didn't need anymore. Really nice, expensive organ. Said, if, said, if any of you churches want it, all you have to do is come and get it. So I brought a baby Christian from Indiana with me. This really nice guy had been born again long. Took, we drove his truck out to uh, Oklahoma to get that. And we had to sleep in this pastor's house. In, we slept, slept in the same bedroom. It, I remember I heard him talk to some other believers back at our church. Their dad, he said, man, pastors, pastor snores in tongues. <laughs> I don't think I do. But anyway, that's what he thought about hanging up. He said, man, he snored in tongues. <laughs> So, no, what I'm saying, it's, it, it, it's serious. You want to hang around somebody that is serious about God, somebody you can see the fruit in their life, that God does answer their prayers, and you see good things happen for them. And that, that, that's a great thing to do. So don't hang around the whiners and the victims and the complainers. Be around people like that long enough to help them. After you can see you're not really helping them because they won't receive, then you need to separate and start praying for them so their eyes go so they can see that, hey, nobody likes to take around you, man. You're just a complainer. And I'm not going to let your whining and complaining steal my faith. You know, if you want your spirit to be overwhelmed, that's your business, but you're not, you're not going to overwhelm mine. Have you ever noticed when you're around a whiner, you get the strength sapped out of you? They complain and they whine, they murmur, and next thing you know, man, you leave everything. Man, I started off this morning on top of the world. 
that I had a great time with the Lord. I enjoyed my Bible time. I enjoyed my prayer time. And it's only 10 o'clock in the morning. Man, I feel like I want to go back to bed. I feel like I'm drained. That's what happens with whiners. Amen. And so we want to help you tonight. And so, anyway, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. Somebody shout. <clears throat> Amen. I, t- I told you, well, I'm not going to let this church go to sleep and be a dying church. You're going to be alive and get excited. 2 Corinthians 4, 13. Now, this is another verse you need to have in your, in your uh, spiritual concordance. You need to have in your heart. And you need to be able to look at this verse all the time. It says this. We having the same spirit of faith, according as is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. I believe, and therefore have I spoken. I believe, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. We believe and we speak. And so you notice he said that we having the same spirit of faith. Now this isn't talking about a spirit, but an attitude. An attitude. I remember back when I was in school, uh, how many was, How many in here, well, I know some of you were, but some of us were in school back in the 50s and 60s. How many were schooled in the 50s? How many were schooled in the 60s? Okay, now let me ask you this. Do they still have pep rallies before big basketball games or football games in schools where they call everybody out and they have a pep rally? What, what they do, they want to get the student body fired up to come out and support the team. Now, I never was a sports guy. I mean, you know, I just wasn't. I played little league baseball, and I got on the wrestling team until I got beat up a few times. I didn't like the wrestling team anymore. <laughs> no, I, I don't have time to tell about that. Okay, I won every varsity match I was ever in. She wants me to tell you about that. I don't like to brag about it, but won every varsity match. Oh, no, I don't want to tell them how. Oh, Kaz on the freshman team, and we went on the bus to go to a meet. They always carried an extra uniform because they only weighed 90-some pounds, and they had a 95-pound weight class, and most of the varsity schools didn't have a 95-pound wrestler. So if we got there, the coach saw they didn't have anybody 95. Sample, put on the uniform. Walk out there, walk around the ring, hold my hand up like that. And, <laughs> <laughs> and don't make me ever tell that one again. What? I was more than a conqueror. <laughs> okay, now back now back to my sermon. Okay, uh, delete that from the tape. That won't be on the tape. <laughs> okay, so it says, we having the same spirit or attitude of faith. He said, we believe and we speak. Well, at those, at those pep rallies, we had this song that we sang or chant. It says, we've got the spirit. Do you ever hear that? You go to a ball game, we've got the spirit. What they're saying is this. We've got the attitude. Our school has attitude. We got confidence in our football team. We got confidence in our basketball team. We got the attitude. We're going to win. And that's what he's talking about. We've got that same spirit of faith. If we're believing and speaking, we've got the attitude that we're going to win this because the Word of God says we are and we are. And see, I, I want to tell you something. That's how I can tell. Really, if you're halfway spiritual, you can tell if you talk to a fellow believer if they're going to make it through the crisis, if they're not going to make it by their attitude. Amen. Amen. You know, if you're talking to somebody that's going through a crisis and all they're doing is whining and complaining, then, you know, these people are in trouble, man. I'm going to pray for them all I can. 
for the Cubs appointed time, they have to change what they're doing and get, get, get something built up in their heart for the Word of God. And you're talking to somebody, I know that, uh, well, I, I knew a pastor last year went through cancer and went through a heart attack. But I'll tell you what, I watched that guy pretty close. He never one time talked about how bad it was. He never talked about he wasn't going to make it. He never talked about his faith and confidence was in doctors and medicine and all those things. All he talked about was Jesus and his word. And you know what? That pastor, that, that pastor turned out getting back where he belonged. He, he lived to be 85 or more years old. You know why? Because he had the spirit of faith. And the spirit of faith is not the Holy Spirit, although the Holy Spirit's really the best spirit. But talk about he had the attitude of faith no matter how bad he felt or how bad it looked or how good the test didn't say things were. He kept that spirit of faith. He said, by the stripes of Jesus, I've been healed. The elders of the church anointed me if all prayed the prayer of faith. I'm getting better every day. I'm getting better every day. I'm getting better every day. How you doing, Pastor? Getting better every day. Then some people would, out of love and concern, say, how you feeling? And I most of the time had to ignore him because I felt like it would drop over dead. And so every once in a while I'd tell somebody, don't ask me how I'm feeling. Don't ask me that at all. If you want to say, how are you, Pastor? Then I can say, by Jesus stripes I was healed. Has been able to get better every day. And every once in a while I'd just tell somebody, say, hey man, don't ask me how I'm feeling right now. You know how I really feel you want me to tell you? I feel like I'm going to drop over right there. You have to carry me out of here so I don't, I don't go by how I feel. I'll go by how the Word of God says. The Word of God says I was healed, so I am. And, you know, all I'm telling you is this. That's called the spirit of faith. You know, whether you had a financial battle, a family thing, a job thing, whatever it is, the spirit of faith always has an attitude of victory. You know, I think I think about David and Goliath. You know, if David and Goliath talking to modern times, he'd say, hey, man, let me add you. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. Hey, man. And Jesus, going to, when Lazarus is dead, Jesus said, Lazarus is dead, but he's not staying dead. It's not over till it's over. And it's not over. And I like what uh, my good friend Mike Van Ort says all the time. I've heard, I've heard him say it for, I've been here 14 years. I've probably heard him say it for 13 years. I've, I've, heard, I've heard Mike say, how you doing, Mike? Still living. And you want me, want me to tell you something? I don't care how bad your finances look, your family thing looks, your job things look, your health looks or whatever it is. If you're still living, if you do tonight what we're teaching, you'll change it. That's right. Amen. Amen. And remember what Psalm 73 said? When I complained, I snuffed out my faith. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. I just delete that wrestling story. Nobody heard that. My wife maybe tell that, and I didn't want her to hit me or something. <laughs> and so we've got the spirit, we've got a winning attitude. And so it says, I want you to look at that again. He says, we also believe and therefore speak. That means you open your mouth and you use words. And so anyway, what are we supposed to be speaking? And I hope you're taking notes. I'm going to give you some things here. You're supposed to be speaking. I, I use this all the time. We're going to hit a little detail tonight. What are you supposed to be speaking if you have an attitude of faith? And so if you want a strong spiritual life to keep your faith activated, you must study and find out and speak all the time these three things. I want to say it again. If you want your faith to be strong and your faith to stay activated, you got to study and find out 
I'd be talking all the time about number one. Now listen to this. Who the Bible says you are in Christ. Not who you are of your own self. You know, some people, and what, how are we doing on time? I, I can't hit too many bunny trails because it's Wednesday night. You know, some people, and when I meet them, I always know they're not going to win. They've got great confidence about the Bible school they went to. They've got great confidence about who they know. They've got great confidence about how much money they got. They've got great confidence about who their doctors are, et cetera, et cetera. It's nice to have good big educations. If God called you to have good big educations. It's nice to have good doctors if you need a doctor. But when you're facing crisis in life, you better know who Christ is in you. And you better know who you are in Christ. Why is that? Ephesians 6, 12 says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, as spiritual wickedness in high places. And verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Amen. I was, I was joking with some of the former soldiers back there. Got a couple soldiers. And uh, I was joking them. You know, they kind of give me, sometimes people give me a little suit like I give one. I say, well, I'm glad to be in God's army. And they were in the army for a long time. But like I, like I pointed out to them, they know. I said, you know what? We got the greatest military army and forces in the world. But without God being with them, they wouldn't be anything. It's God with them. And so whether it's a doctor you have to deal with, medical things or financial things, you're number one. And like I said all the time last year when I was going through things, I had it in my journal all the time. And I told my fellow preachers all the time, but I told you my number one line of defense and offense against blood cancer is Jesus Christ and his word. He's my offense. He's my defense. I'm lifting the word up against everything I face in life. And guess what? Proved again, the word works. Amen. You can clap if you want to. I got, Norman gives me a little wound like that, but it can spread. You know what? Let me tell you this. Whoa, whoa, let's just get back to the spirit of faith, this attitude like your favorite sports team. I know that I do have some sports nuts in here. I hear you talk. I see some of your gatherings and stuff like that. If Johnny Unitas just kicked the field goal, or through, you know, some of these old football players, some of these guys doing the, I don't even, who, Reg, Reggie Miller, that's the one I saw, Joel, I'm talking about Reggie Miller. You know, some of these basketball players, football players, these guys hit the three points. You wouldn't sit there and go, woo. You'd, you'd get a little excited about it. Hey, man. Hey, hey. When I throw you a fastball and you hit it, somebody's going to get excited. And so anyway, let's have that pep rally attitude, spirit of faith, and manifestation of this church. When God says something good through me or anybody else, get a little bit excited like, like you're at your favorite ball game, like your team just did something good. Woo! All right. Amen. Amen. And so you need to find out all the time who the Bible says you are in Christ. Number two, what the Bible says you have because you are in Christ. And see that in Christ. I'm going to show you some things in the Bible in just a minute. You need to be talking all the time about what the Bible says you have because you are in Christ. And then number three, you need to be studying, finding out, and speaking all the time what the Bible says you can do because you're in Christ. Because you're in Christ. And so I'll help you get started 
all that study tonight, but you ever heard the old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink? Anybody ever heard that before? You lead a horse to water, you can't make it drink? I can help you to get started on finding out these things that will help you to be a strong Christian, but you're going to have to separate yourself from distractions and time stealers. You have to make the purpose, you have to purpose, you're going to separate yourself from distractions and time stealers and study for yourself if you want to be a strong person of faith. Now, number one, about who the Bible says you are in Christ, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 17, 18, and 21. And that's right right about where you are, 2 Corinthians 4, just go over a page probably. I want to say this again. It says, we have the same spirit of faith. We believe and we speak. Believing and speaking the right thing, just the opposite of complaining and snuffing out your faith. And so, who you are in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, 18, 21 says this. Therefore, if any man, that means any human, any male, any female, be in Christ. And I, that, this is important. In my Bible, with red ink, I underlined in Christ. Because whenever the Bible says something about believers in Christ, then I know that's talking about me. And I want to see it again. So it says, if any man be in Christ, that's talking about me because I'm in Christ. If you're in Christ, this is talking about you. Be in Christ. He's a new creature, a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And all things are of God. You've got a brand new nature on the inside. Not who you used to be. Verse 21, I'm just going to go ahead and quote this in the Living Bible because it makes it a whole lot easier to understand. God took the sinless Christ and poured it to him dirty sample sins. When Jesus Christ was on the cross, God poured my sins into Jesus. My sins have been done away with, my sinful nature. Then in exchange, he poured God's goodness into Bernie Samples. I'm not the same guy I was. You know, sometimes when I'm preaching, I tell you that I'm, well, actually, I'm 40 years old. I don't say 39, I'm 40 now. I turned 40 on January 29th of this year. That's how old the person inside this earth suit is. Now, the earth suit is almost 68. But the one that lives in it is 40. Why is that? My spiritual birthday is January 29th. That's when I was born again to win. I want to say it again. I was born again to win. You ever seen the uh, motorcycle guys got the tattoos, born to lose? Every one of us are born to lose. But we're born again. We're born again to win. Hey, man, that's, that's a good shouting one. I'm not going on till you shout. Okay? That's a good shout. But you've got to get excited about that. You've got to get this revelation. I just told you right there, the Bible says, if you're in Christ, you're brand new. Amen. I am not the punk I used to be. I'm not the boozer I used to be. I'm not the cusser I used to be. I'm not the blank, 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 and all those other blanks I used to be. If you're in Christ, you aren't either. I want to tell you, this, this will stifle your faith if you keep talking about the stuff you used to do. It says, old things are passed away, all things have become new, and all things are of God. And I'll give you something right now for your notes. And so what that's talking about, all things of God, that's talking about your nature and your spiritual character. You can still be a character on the outside if you want to, but get that old man under control. 
but says all things are of God, write down Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23. Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23. And the Bible calls that the fruit of the Spirit. I like to call that the character of God. The fruit of the Spirit is the character of God. Old things are passed away, all things become new, and all things are of God. You notice verse 18, all things are of God. Your nature has God's nature now. Your nature has God's character now in your spirit. In your spirit, through the spirit is love. You can love like Jesus loves. You can love like God loves. Why is that? Because you're in Christ. Did you underline that in your Bible yet where it says in Christ? Underline it. In Christ. You're in Christ. And in Christ, you have the love of God. Through the Spirit. Joy. You can laugh, but it looks like the whole world just crashed on you because you have joy. Peace. You can have peace even when you lost your best friend. You can have the peace of God. You have peace. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. Somebody said, well, man, we just got an Irish temper. Are we, are we got an Italian temper? Are we got, we, we got a Mexican temper? I bet people of every race and every nationality and they all say, well, man, this, this, this temper runs in our blood. I got new blood. Hey, man, I've been voiced by the blood of Jesus Christ. I've got the temper of God. He said, be angry and sin not. I can get angry, but I don't have to open my mouth and blow up on everybody and have all the, 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 the innocent victims around me get blown away because something happened to me. Some people wonder how come their kids, kids don't come to church with them. It might be because they don't like hypocrites. Oh. <laughs> I didn't say that. Amen. Oh. Parents and grandparents, you shouldn't have two personalities. You shouldn't have your church personality and then your family personality. The persons you should treat the best shouldn't just be the church people. It ought to be your kids, your mate, your family. That's the ones. How's he going to save you and save your house if you're a meaner than a junkyard dog to your house? I've done better preaching than you are shouting. And you know what? You can love them with the love of God because we just see right here, if you're in Christ, it says you have his nature. And how many know that the Bible says in 1 John 4, 7, God is love. For the Spirit is, so what's in you? Love. And so the whole thing is, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, it develops. It's almost like working out, working a muscle. You know, if you got, if you haven't been doing anything with certain muscles, you get flabby, get weak, and they're not much use to you. But you start to find out, man, I need to start doing something. I gotta get this together. And I'll tell you what, uh, keep your blessed old pastor in prayer. Man, I had some flabby muscles last year for sitting around getting needles all year long. And since my wife kicked me out of my comfortable house and moved me out to the country, <laughs> I got I got an orchard with about a hundred uh, trees in it. I've been pruning and digging up irrigation lines and working on them and fixing them. I got a lot of firewood I've been sawing and cutting up, and I got a lot of stuff I've been doing. And by the time I get out there and exercise these muscles, so I know it's good for me to do stuff and do that. Man, I get up. My muscles let me know. We didn't like that. 
We got used, we got used to sitting, we got used to sitting in the chair doing nothing. And I, and I have to tell those muscles, tell that physical body, physical body, you gotta carry me a long ways for a long time, yet you can't lay down, you have to. And so anyway, those muscles are getting better and better, but yesterday, man, I sure hurt when I got out of that orchard. Boy, it was rough. But I got this morning, I slept, I slept a long time, I got this morning, I was refreshed. And so I said this about your spiritual muscles. If you've been a person, diarrhea in the mouth, losing your anger, temper all the time, being angry and unloading on people, you have love in you, the love of God. You gotta exercise that muscle. You gotta start confessing every day. I've got the love of God in me. I love like Jesus loves. And then practice that. When you get a chance, the old man tries to cause you to spew out a bunch of garbage on somebody, stop. And on the inside, think, what would Jesus do? Well, Jesus on the cross when he's dying, what did he say to the, say to his father? He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He was the son of God. He was on a mission to die, to die, to die for the sins of the whole world. And those people that were actually being used by the devil to do that, he said, they don't know what they're doing. Jesus knew and God knew, but they didn't know. And so think about this. As born-again Christians, even if somebody wrongs you, if they knew they was coming against God in you, they wouldn't be doing that. And so you need to be able to say, Father, forgive them. You don't know what they do. Because you don't want somebody to fall under the judgment of God. And when you don't control your mouth, when you don't let the love of God dominate you, then you're giving place to the enemy. Amen. And so it's a muscle. It's a muscle. You start learning to say all the time, well, it's real simple, please and thank you. Can I help you? Anything I can do for you today? Oh, forgive me, I didn't mean to do that. Forgive me, I didn't mean to say that. Oh, excuse me, please. You start doing, you know what you're doing? You're starting to exercise that love muscle. You know what happens the first, you know what happens the first time you do that? You're like pastor crawling out of the orchard. Oh, that hurt. Oh, oh. Pray for me. Pray for me. Oh, I gotta get to my chair. Well, then after a while, you get that love muscle developed. It's such second nature. You automatically say all the time, please and thank you. You say, excuse me. Forgive me. And then instead of Give me, give me, give me. You start to say, what can I do? Is there anything I can do to help you? Amen. And so you're a new creature in Christ, and the fruit of the Spirit, the character of God, is in your spirit, but you've got to let it dominate you. And the more you talk about it, the spirit of faith believes and says. What's it believe? It believes what the Bible says about it. If you believe what the Bible says about you, you're not a loser anymore. Amen. You're not a loser anymore. You're a new creature in Christ. You have the winning, conquering nature of God in you. Not to conquer people, but to conquer circumstances and things. Amen, amen. And so anyway, that, that, that's the number one thing I want to look like. You're a brand new person in Christ, and you have God's character. And confess these things every day until they become real to you. Start confessing every day I'm a new creature in Christ. Read Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Start, start confessing. I have love, joy, peace. I'm long-suffering. I'm gentle. I'm good. I'm patient. I'm kind. Amen. Start confessing that. Those never again cards that will help you do that. Start Just start reading what's on those cards out loud every day. And then number two, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, and chapter 2, verse 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, 
and chapter 2, verse 16. Talk, this time we're talking about uh, what you can do because of Christ in you. What the Bible says you have because you're in Christ. Chapter 1, verse 30 says this. But of him are you in Christ Jesus. And I put red under that. I'm in Christ Jesus. And so if you mark in your Bible, which would probably be a good thing to do so you can see things, underline that in Christ. He's getting ready to talk about me again. He's getting ready to talk about you again. In Christ Jesus, who of God is made as wisdom and righteousness, sanctification and redemption. And chapter 2, verse 16 says, For who has known the mind of the Lord and may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. And because I'm in Christ, he in me gives me the wisdom of God. We need to confess those things. In Christ, we have the wisdom of God and the mind of Christ. And so listen to this now. You don't have to wander around confused, never knowing how to make right decisions. If you've got the mind of Christ, the wisdom of God, the Bible says you do, you never have to be confused, wander around like a chicken with your head cut off, wondering, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? You don't have to run to 15 goofy people or go on Facebook. Has anybody ever faced this before? What are all you losing sinners on Facebook doing in a situation like this? I'm a Christian, and i got a Bible, but I don't read it. So here I am, you people out there that have lost your kids because you wasn't a good parent, you ones that are out there that have been divorced five times because you're not a good mate, you ones that are out there that have went bankrupt all the time, you ones that are out there that are depressed and on 15 kinds of medications, what should I do, you sinners? Christians should never live in that world. I'm telling you the answer right now. He says, because you're in Christ, you have God's wisdom in you. It's not in your head, it's in your spirit. Amen. It says you have the mind of Christ. And that is not figured out stuff in your head. There's a difference between the mind of Christ and your head education. Your heads get educated by the world for the most part. And the world is contrary to God for the most part. The mind of Christ is a spiritual thing. The mind of Christ is God's being, God's anointing, God's presence in your spirit. And when you as a born-again believer begin to confess what these things we're talking about, it says we have the same spirit of faith we believe and we say, you need to start saying, I've got the wisdom of God. I know what to do. Your head doesn't know, but it's going to come out of your heart. It'll come bubbling up. But if it comes time to do things, all of a sudden you go, well, that's what we've got to do. And then later on, in hindsight, when you look back and see how they work, they wow, boy, that was God carrying me through that. He's there all the time. But as soon as you complained, your spirit was overwhelmed. As soon as you complained, you put out the light. As soon as you complained, the air came out of your faith. And then you were on Facebook. Message me, hon. <laughs> Why do you want me to message you, hon? Because I want to hear all your garbage so I can spread it. You know, if they, if they, you know, I know sometimes the shows, they, they give these truth serums or, you know, make-believe shows. They say, go give a pill, make them tell the truth every time. 
what would happen if some of these message behinds told the truth on Facebook? I won't tell anybody that they get on their private side of it and tell all their thousand friends. <laughs> and then you're having a conversation as somebody from somewhere says, man, how's such this going? So, well, how'd you know that? There's no way you could have known that. Duh. <laughs> and so do you see there that you have the wisdom of God, the mind of Christ, and so you know how to make right decisions and things that pertain to you and your loved ones. God's already given you his wisdom because you're in Christ. You have the mind of Christ because you're in Christ. Say this out loud every day. Say this, I have the wisdom of God and the mind of Christ. I always know what to do in every circumstance, at every situation, that comes my way. And see, I'm telling you right now, what are you saying about the new you? You're not who you used to be. It makes no difference if you got a PhD, a master's degree, or if you made it to the second grade, that's as far as you went education-wise. We're talking in your spirit, in your heart where Jesus Christ lives. Jesus Christ, whether you're educated or whether you're illiterate, he's the same. And when you learn look down the inside of your spirit for what God says you have, there's no way you'll ever lose again. You know, you might go into extra innings sometimes, but when the game's over with, you won. Amen. And so so the spirit of faith speaks and it says what the Bible says about it. Now, the last thing I want to look at, this third point, is about what the Bible says you can do because you're in Christ. Look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. God did not create any losers. When you're born again, you're in the same class of beings as God is because God in you gave you his character, gave you his nature, gave you his spirit. On the outside, you might look the same, but on the inside, you're totally different. And so we're talking about what you can do because you're in Christ. Philippians 4.13 says this. I can barely get along. Yeah, I can't do much. Well, there's some things I can do. I can do what? All things. Now, I underlined these next two words. Through Christ. You got you to gotta know that. It's not you. Not be strong in yourself. It's in Christ. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. In Christ, you can do anything and everything that the Bible says you can do. In Christ, you can do anything and everything the Bible says you can do. You've got to learn, if you haven't yet, to pray in Jesus' name. Hey, man, when you're you're praying over a meal, don't just say, dear God, that's better than nothing. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus. When you get done praying, instead of just saying, thank you, God, I'll say, yeah, that's better than nothing, but say, Father, thank you in Jesus' name. Because that's how he said to pray as Christians. And then also, as we talk about you can do anything, everything through Christ, you must study and learn and speak for yourself, not because of your own natural strength or willpower, but in Christ. Now listen to this. I just wrote down a few thoughts here about in Christ, what you can do. In Christ, you can love your worst enemy. 
in Christ. You know why I know that? In Romans he said he loved you when you were his enemy. And before you were born again, you were an enemy of the cross. Not because you wanted to be, that was in your nature. You had the nature of fallen man. But when you got born again, you weren't his enemy anymore, but he loved you. And you know something that became a revelation to me several years ago that I finally realized? I preached for lots of years how much God loved people, how much Jesus loved people, but somehow or another, it never registered. He loved me too. It just never registered. I mean, I, I loved him, served him, all that stuff. And then one time, a few years ago, I got the revelation, wait a minute. I'm getting ready to prepare this Wednesday night sermon about how much God loved people. And then all of a sudden, inside of me, I just thought this. He loves me. He really does. And then I realized, I realized if he loves sinners, while they're sinners, how much more does he love his own children? Amen. And so if we have that love in us, can't we love people that wrong us? Can't we forgive? Can't we forget? Can't we give people another chance? Amen. And so, because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, I can forgive, I can tithe. I can tithe through Christ who strengthens me to have the faith to give him 10% so he can bless me that much more and use me. Amen? In Christ, I can lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. In Christ, I can be a bold witness to people around me and see them receive eternal life and get to go to heaven in Christ. And so, just to wrap it all up, this last thing here about what you can do, if God wants you to talk to your boss, you can talk to your boss. If you're the employer and you've had a hard time with an employee that's been a overbearing person, you can have the faith in Christ to help you talk to that employer, employee right and help them straighten up. In Christ, you can go to a court thing and hold your head up high and tell the truth, not try to not try to lie because they're going to catch you anyway. You might as well tell the truth. In Christ, you can do all things. And so I want to say this one more time in closing. The title of our message tonight is What Are You Saying About the New You? Make sure you get these. That's oh, going. Somebody took my card. Oh, she took another one. Okay, you can have it. Okay, those never again cards say things like this. Never again. It says in the card. You confess it. Never again will I speak fear because God's not giving me the spirit of fear. Never again because I, will I say I can't do it because I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. Never again will I say, what am I going to do because I have the wisdom of God. Never again will I say, I'm sick because hands have been laid on me and I'm healed in the name of Jesus. So get those cards. Start confessing that. And I, I want to tell you tonight, this was really, really, really a life-changing thing that some people need to hear. And so, you can't lead the horse to water to make him drink. And so I led you down a road tonight to help you get started. If you will shut off your cell phones and your social media for even 30 minutes and make that a quiet 30 minutes where nobody can text you, talk to you. But I was getting this sermon today. I took my cell phone out of my prayer closet and my wife. I got a real important call I'm expecting. I put my phone on the side. I gave it to her. I said, hold on to this. And if he calls, bring it to me. But I don't want anybody else to distract me. I couldn't turn it off today because it had to be on alert so I could know if this guy called me or not. And so I'm telling you, shut off your phones. What if you have to? Get along with God. You know what's going to happen? 
that balloon's going to get all puffed up big again. Your faith's going to be big, and you're not going to lose. Amen. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org. 